Every summer when my sister and I were young, we would go visit our grandparents for a week. Our grandparents lived on the edge of a small town in Nebraska, and one summer, my grandpa came inside the house, and he said, there's a tornado outside, and it's on the field that's like a couple miles from their house. And I looked at him, and I looked at my grandma. They knew exactly what I wanted him to do in this moment. And my grandma gave a slight nod, you know, because when you're at grandma and grandpa's house, you get more than you get when you're just at mom and dad's house. And I dashed out the back door so I could go see this tornado for myself. And sure enough, on the field across from their house, in the back was this tornado, this pencil-thin tornado that was just skimming across the field. My grandpa telling me about the tornado wasn't enough. I wanted to see it for myself. It was so close. It was right there. I wanted to see it for myself. Last week, Petey kicked off our new sermon series called 40 Days That Changed the World where we are going to spend time looking at the 40 days after Jesus' resurrection to see what kind of power it has to affect and impact us today. Petey said last week that the resurrected Christ has the power to put our lives back in order. All of our lives? Every part of our lives? Is that really true? What if the place in our lives that needs to be put back together is our trust or our belief in God in the first place? Does it have the power to do that? I think today's scripture is going to help us answer that question because it's about a guy who's a lot like you and me. He wanted to see Jesus for himself. His trust in God was broken. Thomas was one of the disciples who followed Jesus everywhere. He believed in him. He trusted him. He watched him perform miracles. He listened to his teachings. He heard the profound and provocative claims that Jesus made about himself. But Thomas found himself at a loss because Jesus was gone. And in a matter of 24 hours, all he thought he knew and believed in was gone too. Jesus was dead. How could a dead man save and restore a people who were suffering from oppression and persecution? How could a dead man forgive everyone's sins, and restore them to the Father. Jesus showed up. And so Thomas figured out and found out that Jesus was who he said he was. Even in the midst of doubts, Jesus can be trusted because he is who he said he is. We're going to look in John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. 
where it says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've, we've seen him. We saw Jesus. But Thomas looked at them and said, No. And lest I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where it was, unless I put my hand on his side, I will not believe it. For some reason, Thomas wasn't with the disciples the first time that Jesus appeared to them. So naturally, when they saw him, they ran to him and said, we saw him. He was alive. He was standing before us. But Thomas didn't buy it. He'd been through too much. It didn't matter that it was his closest friends telling him he needed to see for himself. So, in verse 26, it says, A week later, the disciples were in the house again, but this time Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. A week later, Jesus showed up again and he went straight to Thomas. Jesus knew Thomas's doubts and his questions. He knew Thomas needed to see for himself. So he met that request, offering Thomas his full self, his bruised, his battered, and his wounded self. And in that moment, Thomas put it all together. Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus is here. He is the Messiah. And so Thomas responded with the strongest name that he could come up with for the risen Savior, my Lord and my God. He said to Jesus, you are my Messiah. You are my Savior and you are God in the flesh. The resurrected Lord is God. The Son is honored just as the Father. One of the central issues for both Jews and Greeks throughout the entire writings of the book of John was the identity of Jesus. Jesus made claims that he is, I am. And Thomas finally understood that. This declaration by Thomas closes the circle of the book on John. Many scholars believe that John actually ends in chapter 21 or 20 and 21 was added later. This is a declaration that takes us back to John chapter 1 where in the message version it says God became flesh and moved in to the neighborhood. Thomas experienced Jesus as not only the great universal Lord and God, but also his Lord and God as well. Jesus cared for Thomas to meet him personally, individually, and specifically. The wounded Messiah showed up in order so that one person might believe. He didn't clean himself up. 
He didn't gloss over his wounds or cover them up. Seeing the wounds of Jesus is what made Thomas trust him again. C.K. Barrett said, The risen Christ must be both visibly and palpably identical to the old. Jesus came to be God in the flesh. Die the death that we deserve because of sin and overcome death so that we might live through him eternally in heaven and in fullness on earth. For Thomas, trust was built in the authentic and vulnerable brokenness. It is by his wounds that we are healed, Isaiah 53 tells us. The power of the resurrection invites us then to bring our imperfect and wounded selves to Jesus. We are given permission to be honest and authentic about our doubts, our questions, our lack of trust. We don't have to clean ourselves up or gloss over things or cover things up. We can come to Jesus just as we are. He approaches us exactly where we're at. I think a lot of times people think that those of us who work in full-time ministry must be professionals at faith. We must never have a question or a doubt. We are experts at this. But that is just not true. I frequently ask God for proof. I wrestle with doubt. I ask him a lot of questions. If you were to pour through the pages of my journals, you would see questions and doubts. Doubts around my future, doubts around the goodness of God, not just the abstract goodness of God, but his goodness towards me personally. I've struggled for a long time with thinking that God really only cares about my professional prayers, not my personal prayers. And like Thomas, I often bring my skeptical and stumbling heart. And Jesus continues to meet me right where I'm at with what I truly need. Kate Bowler reminds us that we bear all of the ruins of the lives we've lived and the loves we'd endured. What a gift to have a Savior who does the same. Doubt isn't the opposite of faith. Doubt isn't the death of faith. Thomas didn't move away from Jesus when he questioned his authenticity. He moved towards him. He reached out to him and through that built a profound faith. John's final statement in verses 30 and 31 say, an encouragement to us. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, these are written down so that you, so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. John turns and he points his attention towards us. 
explaining that his gospel writings are to help us believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. He knows that we're going to stumble, that we're going to question, that we're going to have doubts. But that we need to keep coming back to the testimony of who Jesus is. Thomas and the other disciples went on to share the good news of Jesus' resurrection with the entire ancient world. And I wonder how often he had to come back to this story to remind himself of the faithfulness of God. How often did he need to be reminded? Maybe when things weren't going the way that he expected them to. Maybe when his friends were teasing him about something. Maybe when the weight of expectations were just crushing him. Maybe when he had a broken relationship, he came back to this moment where Jesus showed up in his life, where Jesus was faithful. We might not get the invitation to see and touch Jesus' wounds. Our access to Jesus might look or feel more difficult than it was for those who were eyewitnesses to the resurrection. But we can look back and remember too. Look back at the ways that Jesus has shown up in our lives or in the lives of others. We can study scripture so that we know who Jesus is and what he's capable of. We are invited to be a part of the church where we can grow alongside others and walk alongside others who will help us hold those questions and those doubts and we can practice the ways of Jesus in everyday life. Ninth graders, you're constantly going to be faced with questions and doubts. Any adult who has been walking with Jesus for any amount of time will tell you that they don't go away. But here's my prayer for you in the midst of it, is that you will come near to Jesus. You will let him meet you in those questions and those doubts. The posture that Jesus had with Thomas is the same posture he has with you. Doubts don't drive Jesus away. They don't intimidate him. They don't make him mad. They don't disappoint him. They actually serve as an invitation for you to draw near to him so that you come to see and know Jesus for who he truly is, your Lord and your God. Even in the midst of doubts, Jesus can be trusted because he is who he says he is. Let's pray. God, you are good. And God, even in the midst of doubts and questions, Lord, you meet us. You don't want us to run away from you. You want us to draw near to you. And so I pray, Lord God, that anyone who is struggling with questions or doubts in this room or Westview or watching online, Lord God, that they would experience you in a new way this morning, that they would let the story of Thomas change how they approach you. And Lord, that they would know that you are right there waiting for them. 
God, thanks for being a God who welcomes us, who loves us even in the midst of doubt and questions. In your name we pray, amen.